so blessed to have Mark. Mark and I had the privilege of meeting uh, a long time ago, 15 years ago, when, uh, when Faith Force first began. Uh, my cousin, her husband Jeff Terrell, founded Faith Force, and uh, when they started, Mark was one of the first athletes that, uh, if not the first athlete, that Jeff brought on to start ministering with him. And uh, we had the privilege to meet about 15 years ago. I've always loved his heart. Never had the opportunity to have him here. So he's a two-time, drug-free, strongest man champion. You know, anybody ever seen Strongest Man on ESPN and stuff like that? He's five-time world powerlifting champion. He's been on ESPN, NBC, Fox Sports. The dude can pull a transfer truck in how, how far and how fast? That's just crazy. That's just crazy. So today when we leave, I'm not cutting my Jeep on. He's just going to push me to the restaurant. No, I'm just kidding. I say, look, I got it. I'm just kidding. But I will say this. He bench pressed 655 pounds. He, he can roll up a frying pan like a burrito. And no joke. Mark, come on up, brother. Here, Let's give a warm hand for Mark Kerr. Yeah. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here. Right now, I want you all to stand up in here. I want everybody to repeat after me, not just so each of you can hear each other. I want this whole community out here, people driving by can hear you. I want you to repeat after me. Say, I have victory. I have victory. One more time. I have. Victory in Jesus Christ. Let's give Jesus the biggest hand clap in here. You may be seated. First, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for allowing me to be here. Secondly, I want to thank Pastor Todd and First Lady for allowing me to be here. And thirdly, you guys for allowing me to be here. And hopefully once I leave here, you might want me back. You know, as I was growing up, as I was telling Todd before, you know, I never knew if I had charismatic in me or not. You know, I grew up in my dad's side of the family. They were Southern Baptists. My mom's side of the family were Pentecostal holiness. So I go to my dad's church back in the day, and it was like this. Amen. No, you do this, they say, what you want? <laughs> Pastor would stop and say, you got a question? <laughs> you go down to my mom's church. We go visit homecoming. They were flopping and dropping. Lady playing the piano. She got up, went down. I was sitting at the back. You know, I was probably about seven, eight years, seven years old or less. And I'm like, these people are scaring me to death. What is wrong? Are they sick? Is they lay you have a heart attack or something? You know, and as I grew older, if it's between Genesis and Revelations, people worship the Lord in different ways. We don't, we're not a cookie cutter. The world wants to make us, you know, just a mold. God broke that mold a long time ago when he made each and every one of us. But you know what? As I started and when I got into the ministry, when I started with Jeff and with a group called the Power Team also, I found out as I was scared like this to speak 15 years ago, I couldn't have talked to Todd. I was so nervous. I'm nervous now, but it's a different nervous. I'm excited. Because I'm excited because who created me? Who created you? But you know what? I found out that I couldn't bottle it up. And I had that little charismatic in me. I had to let it out. And you know what? If you're living for the Lord, you shouldn't be like, 
You should be looking up, praising him every day for every breath, every gift that he's given you in that breath. You know, but I am so glad to be here. How many of you guys have been to the nighttime program? Raise your hand. Where the rest of you been? <laughs> Don't make me come after you with this baseball bat. <laughs> and seriously, we have had a great, great three days, so, three days so far. It's been close to over 150 decisions so far in the past three days. We are at, this is one of the last flyers, and anybody that wants it can have it. We are at Northeast Guilford High School Auditorium. It's free of charge. You can come see overweight, overaged <laughs> guys, kids, overaged kids really doing crazy stuff. Believe me, somebody that hurts. I mean, right now I feel like I've been uh, run over by that truck. But, you know, praise God. You know what? I, I love doing what I do. It's been 15 years doing this, you know, and seeing countless people come to know Christ. We didn't, you know, we, we're just the messenger boys. We're just, you know, claiming the pot of hands. We didn't save anybody. God did all that. We're just being obedient. But like Todd said, we've been all over the world. We've been to Russia, preached the gospel in the schools. Australia, preached the gospel in the schools. And they always ask me, what's wrong with the United States of America? Say, aren't y'all supposed to be a godly nation? Hmm. Are we? Don't seem like, you know, so, so many of us Christians are this now. We're sitting on our hands. We're letting the world dictate. We're letting the minority dictate where we're going, what we're doing, and everything. But, you know, it's time to get stand up, get fired up, fed up about this, and start telling people about Christ. If you're out there today, if you're a Christian, I hope every one of you are, but I believe there's somebody that might think they are. Think they're going to heaven, but might be going to hell. See, the Bible talks about hell more than it does heaven because God don't want you to go there. And one of the coolest things, and I'll get with the program here, that I saw in the past few nights, you know, we've had atheists come to the program the past three nights. We had people that knew of God but didn't really know him come to the program. Last two nights, we had two Muslim families come to the program. They kept their eyes open through the whole thing. They heard the word of God. They didn't just say God. They, we didn't say Muhammad. We said God. We said Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah. I'm going to sit on the second row. They took pictures every night. Yeah. Every time the word was turned, they were doing this. I'm standing there like, wow. But the coolest thing was last night. A lady was sitting there. They, they brought the kids with them. And there was no husbands around. There was two Muslim ladies sitting on the second row. A little kid, that, he was probably about maybe three. Two or three years old. And a, a, after the invitation over with, that's when Caesar was praying. You know, we, we look around when that was going on. And this little Muslim kid sitting in his mom's lap. Eyes open looking at each other. Nobody told him to do that. Or did they? But they heard the word of God. So you know, man, if you're Muslim, Buddhist, Atheist, you don't have Jesus Christ right here as your personal Savior. You're going straight there. You're going straight to hell. You know, I was born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. I got My family was here last night, and they're coming tonight. I got a great wife of this December will be 20 years. She's put up with me. She's kept me straight. I got a 16-year-old son. I got a 12-year-old son. I got an 8-year-old son. And I am proud to death of all of them. All of them know Jesus. I get emotional sometimes when I speak because, you know, I love Jesus and I love what he's done for me and my family. And, uh, you know, what he can do for each and every one of you out there. 
But I was raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad were very devout Christians. And every time I ever remember as a, at a young age, my mom and dad were always praying over me, praying with me, reading Bible stories to me. My mom always saying, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Every night that I could ever remember, even when I was a teenager, she would come in my room and sing that song to me. Did I say, oh, no, I love my parents. I love them. I was the only kid. I was probably spoiled rotten. I was spoiled rotten sometimes with my dad's hand right here. But I had great parents. At age 12, though, they, um, they wanted to send me away. <laughs> it was good. They couldn't turn on me, of course. No, they wanted to send me away to a youth camp. I'd never been away from home before. You know, so I was kind of nervous. I was scared. But I went to this youth camp. And at that youth camp, they were preaching the word of God. We was having fun. There was over 400 and some kids there. We was having fun, a great time. There was over 400 and some kids there, but they were sharing the gospel. They were singing the songs, putting that word, planting that seed. See, mom and dad put me there because they wanted more seed planted in my life, hoping one day I would kneel before the cross and ask Jesus to be my Savior. And as I was listening to that, the counselors, every night we had Bible studies before we, in prayer time before we went. Went to bed before lights out. And I was getting fed more and more. I was getting fed at home. I was getting fed at the youth camp. And at the very end of the youth camp, they always had a different speaker during the week or either they, had, they were showing somebody on video or something like that. But that Friday night, I'll never forget because that's the night that changed my life. They had a big video screen there, and they were showing this man named Dr. Billy Graham. And everything that Dr. Graham was saying that night was the same thing I was learning at the camp. Same thing I was learning at the home. Jesus Christ loved me so much that he took the pain and punishment on Calvary's cross for me. He died not only for me, but all for mankind. And at the age of 12, I didn't run down. I knelt before the cross and asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. But folks, that's where it stopped for me for a while. See, I knew where I was going when I left this earth. I knew I was going to be with Jesus Christ. But see, I, I was doing something that Todd was just hitting on a few minutes ago. I kept Jesus in the box. I was keeping him in the four walls of my heart. I was keeping him right here to me. And so many of my friends around me were needing him. I went through high school, junior high and high school, never telling a soul. They knew I was different. I didn't hang around certain crowds, but they were around me because they were my classmates. I was around the gangs. I was around the alcoholics, the ladies and guys that were into drugs, alcohol, any of the things that were killed still and destroyed their dreams. And their life. I saw some of those classmates put the pills down their throat. Not around anymore. But what was I doing? I was compromising my walk in Christ. I was sitting. I was sitting comfortable in my chair. Are you out there sitting comfortable in yours? Where do you stand with Almighty God? So I want, I want you to be thinking about that as I share, as I do the feast. Because decision time is going to be very near. Decision time. Where do you stand with Almighty God? But as I was sitting there, real comfortable in my chair, people were dropping all around me. Classmates were disappearing. And then, what broke the camel's back, they might say? My senior year of high school. I had a friend of me, mine named John, he came up to me. He said, Mark, I can't take the pressure anymore. I can't take the pressure anymore. And he ran from me. He was going to the parking lot to get in his car to go home. He went out there. 
I was going behind him. I just want to say, you know, I was concerned because he was in tears. He was just in a different state of mind. I couldn't get to him quick enough when he pulled out a 357. Pointed it to a sewing pulled the trigger right in front of me. I have to live with that each day because he's going through the pit of hell. He didn't know Jesus Christ. But what was I doing the whole time? I was sitting nice company in that seat of compromise, knowing that I was going to Christ, but going to heaven. What about my friends? What about the rest of the world? They need Jesus. Young people, older people, you know somebody don't need Christ, that, that does need Christ. It might be within this church. It might be on that street in Walmart, wherever. You know somebody. It's time to start telling people. Eternity is too long to be wrong. We're getting close. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but he's coming back. But you know what? I started getting fed up and fired up. I said, I can't do that anymore, Todd. I can't do it anymore. I got to start telling people. So I got, I mean, I got on fire for Christ. I was in, in different churches just telling people where, wherever I was at. I was telling somebody about Jesus. Total strangers. I started getting bold. Then 1985 come around. See, I got, like I said, I got to see a compromise and started getting in the seat of commitment, commit my life. But not knowing that seat of compromise was hanging around me, like chains that were binding me. I thought they were gone, but in 1985, I did this, something I thought I would never do. And I totally turned my back on God. I did not want to hear the word God. I did not want to hear the word Jesus Christ. I didn't go to church for nearby the entire year. Because what happened in 1985 was devastating. I lost five family members to cancer in five months. And one was my mom. And I raised my hand to find to God. I said, why did you take my family away from me? It's by the grace of God I'm standing here before you today. He had bigger plans for me in the future. I didn't know about. But see, I, all of a sudden, like the walls you see that we break, they started to separate me from God. They started to get bigger and bigger and harder and harder. I couldn't break those walls. Only he could. But see, I didn't think I had a problem. See, I was blaming God for their death. I was selfish. I wanted them here with me. But you know what? He wanted them there with him. Because all of them knew Christ, all of them were born again Christian, all of them are in glory right now. See, I had that selfishness. And it started to get bigger and bigger. No, I didn't get into drugs. And I'll tell you this. I've never done drugs of any kind, steroids or anything. And I say that to young people because everybody always says, oh, you big guys, we'll get accused of words and all this. I never smoked in my life. I never drank in my life. And I lost my virginity at age uh, at 20 years ago when I married my wife. Amen. You might be out here doing something different. Came in those doors one way, you leave a different way today. Amen. But you know what? There were the choices. Well, we tell kids choices. That's the choice I made. But you know what? I... I had that devastation. I had that wall being separating me from God. And then I had a friend. How many of you know it only takes one? You know, how many guys know that prayer is very strong? Raise your hand. Prayer is very strong. It only takes one. Not a 12-step program. It's one step. Take one step. Just like one prayer help you. You don't have to have 10,000. Only one person that can be praying for you can change the course of things happening. You don't even know about it. I had my friend call up. His name was John also. We had a lot of people named John back then. His name was John. Hadn't seen him since high school. He calls me on the phone and said, Mark, I see the road that you're going down. If you continue to go down that road, you're not going to be around much longer. 
I ain't got a problem. I hung up on him. He calls right back. He said, well, just listen to me. Don't hang up on me. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a chance. He said, if you continue to go down that road, you're not going to be around much longer. I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, I, see what's ha- I know what's happening in your life. I know you got that hatred, that bitterness. You hate everybody and everything. That's separating you from God. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. He said, can, can I ask you something? He said, man, when were you saved? When did you ask Jesus Christ to be your son? I said, age 12, youth council, what? He said, who are you listening to? I said, Dr. Billy Graham, why? He said, well, he's coming to my hometown in Virginia, and I want you to come to the crusade. Click, I hung up right then. Don't want to hear it. But people no longer in 30 minutes after I dialed the phone, things started happening in my life that never happened before either. Things started to change. It was scaring me. I started having this pressure in my chest. I knew the symptoms of a heart attack, never had any physical problems. Didn't know what was going on, but I was starting to get scared. But I was still trying to play that image of like, oh, you know, I don't care. I started hearing thoughts come in my mind saying, come, I have something to tell you. I'd never done drugs in my life, but I seen my friends on LSD, hallucinogenics, thinking things, seeing things, hearing things that weren't there. It started scaring me. It went on day and night. Intensified. I couldn't eat, sleep. I couldn't do anything. It was scaring me. But I played the image like, oh, nothing's bothering me. But inside, it was tearing me up. Friday came. The phone rang. It was, I always tell people before caller ID. Uh, but for some reason, I knew who was calling me. I picked up the phone. Yeah, it was John. John. He said, Mark, please don't hang up on me. I said, okay, I promise you this time I won't hang up on you. What do you want? He said, you know what we discussed early in the week about coming to the crusade? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought I was going to outsmart God. I thought I was going to outwit God. I said, you know, he lives in Virginia. I live here in Durham, North Carolina. I said, yeah, I'll come to the crusade, John. He said, okay, I'll be down there tomorrow to pick you up. (laughs) Man, you know, he got me. But he didn't really get me. God did. Because, see, I thought I was going to outsmart God. But you know what? You can't do that. He will never leave you, no forsaken. He was like a shadow. He was always there waiting for me to come back. He would follow me everywhere I went. Dark night, it didn't matter. He knew what I said, was going to say before I said it. He knew my thoughts before I thought them. He knew my intentions were not to go up there. I wasn't going. I was going to tell John not even just show up. <laughs> he came down. We didn't say too much. We got up to stadium and outside of D.C. 40,000 people there to see Dr. Graham speak. I was sitting up in the nosebleed section. The pulpit was way, way down underneath binoculars just about. Nobody was sitting to the left and to the right. John was sitting in front of me. If you ever seen Dr. Graham, he always stands and sits behind on the pulpit just about 100% of the time. But that night, folks, changed my life. <laughs> I wouldn't be here today. He got out from behind the pulpit, pointing the direction I was sitting in. That finger was pointing straight toward me. I ain't needed binoculars to see it. <laughs> and he said these words. He said, even though you turned your back on God, he'll never turn his back on you. That finger pointing to me. I was looking to the left, to the right, nobody there. <laughs> I said, Lord, you got my attention. See this. Revelation 3.20 says here, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dwell with him and he with me. See, he was knocking on my heart's door wanting to get back to where he should have been to start with. All of a sudden, that wall is coming down. That spiritual wall was being torn down, not by me, but by the Almighty God. 
seeing that's all I had come, I have something to tell you. I wasn't going crazy. God was speaking to Dr. Graham to me that, like I said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. All of a sudden, that wall is totally gone. I've never been the same since then. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing can separate me from his love. Man, was I on fire for him from then on. You know, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. You know, he, uh, he's done so much of a work in my, wife, in my, my family's life and my life. And I give him all the glory and all the credit. You know, I got, I got, you know, I started standing up and getting fired up for him. And, you know, just started telling other people about him. And, and just, you know, I just want to do, live my life each and every day to glorify him. You know, I've been, I'm 53 years old. You know, I've been doing this stuff for 15 years. And, you know, we're always trying to bring up younger kids and younger people to get into this. Because we're not going to do it forever. But I'm going to speak about Jesus forever. Might not do the feats. I told the guys last night we was kidding around with, we'll be up there if we don't get any new people. We'll be up there and hover arounds and walkers and everything else. <laughs> I said, yeah, I told Caesar, I said, the scalping, yeah, they're going to bring you a lift, buddy. They're going to get you there and just lift you on up. But no, it's so much fun. But you know what? Where do you stand with Jesus? I'm getting ready to do these feats in just a moment. But right before I do that, I got something that's really important that um, Todd wanted me to do and I felt compelled to do. And I've only I've been able to do this only three times in the 15 years in a school because it, it pertains to a school. Why I'm standing, why we do what we do is this. For one more. Why I'm really here today still doing this? Because of that one 15 years ago. See, when I joined the team, I joined the Faith Force, and I was doing the power team at the same time. And I was with the power team at this time. I was in Lexington, Kentucky, the second crusade I was ever on. We was doing the feats, just like you see. But see, I was failing at everything. I failed at the concrete blocks. I failed at the water wall. I was failing at everything. I was like, these guys are not going to keep me on the team long if I keep doing this. So I called my wife up, complaining, moaning about stuff. Thank God for a godly wife. She got me on the phone. She said this, you're there laying there up in your hotel room complaining about failing and all this, but you go into the schools and tell the kids never to give up. What? She said, what are you doing? I was giving up. I was wanting to quit. So we talked some more, and she prayed. we prayed, and we got off the phone. I laid there in the bed and looked up, and I'm like, it was Wednesday night. I said, God, I got bold. If you want me to continue to do this, you got to prove it to me. My arm was hurt. I had a half full tendon in my arm. Nothing was going right. I said, God, you got to prove it to me. And next time, you'll fall asleep. The next day, we went to Lexington Senior High School. Things getting ready to happen. And this young lady, 16 years old, her name was Amanda. She comes up to me after the school assembly. She said, why do you care about me? Why do you care about us? You and your little shiny outfits y'all wearing. Why do you care about us? I said, Amanda, we didn't come here to do the feats of strength. 
Well, I'm not spelling it all. I'm anyway. I guess she didn't notice that. I said, but what we did come here to do is speak life into you, that you are worth it, that your life has potential. You can become anything you want to be. You just got to make choices. She said, well, I got a lot of pain in my life, and I want to know who can stop the pain. I said, well, Amanda, we got to go to another school. We was already late to go next door to the middle school. But I said, Amanda, if you come to our night time program, we'll show you and tell you who can cure that pain in your life. And we'll, say, we'll, we'll save you front row seat. She said, all right, I might, might not. We did just like you've seen us do in the past few nights. We came on stage, lights come on, and as I noticed, there's Amanda sitting on the front row. But she was like this. She was sitting like this the whole time. As I shared my testimony as our team leader, Greg Lewis shared the word. As we did the feast, all I saw every time I looked over there was this. Blank face, staring. At the very end of the program, we always have an altar call. People wanted to turn their life over to the Lord or they got problems, they need prayer. Come down. I had to go out to the product table where we sign autographs afterwards like we do every night. But I had to go out there after, before the program was ended. A few minutes later, I signed all the grass, and around the corner, this young lady coming. She was bawling like a baby. She was just crying. She came running up to me and gave me a hug. I didn't recognize her at first. She was dressed different, had her hair different. She gave me a hug and kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, as I look down, I'm like, hey, Amanda, how you doing? What's going on? She said, well, tonight, I mean, today at the school, she said, you told me if I come to tonight's program, you could tell me who could cure the pain in my life. And I just want you to know that Jesus Christ is my Savior now. She said, I know that I am somebody now. She said, I know that I'm not a mistake anymore. And then all of a sudden, she reaches in her pocket. And she gives me this. She has it balled up in her hand. And she said, take this. I don't need it anymore. And what it was is a nine millimeter bullet. This young lady said, This is the actual real bullet that she gave me to just. And I got to share it in, in, in three senior high schools, two of them this week. See, Amanda was told by her parents that she was a failure and a mistake. She was told that she was not loved. And she should have never been born. And the only way she thought that she could cure the pain was to take this. She was going to take it on that Friday because she said, when you, you guys came to our school on that Thursday, I was going around telling my friends goodbye. They thought I was just going to another school, but I was going to end my life. I was going to take this to my dad's funeral on Friday and take my life. She said, I have no need of this anymore because I am somebody. I'm God's kid. Not all stories end that way. We've had some really bad stories that don't end that way. But the, hers even got better. I called there a year, a year later. Since at that time, she's leading a Bible study in a church and in the school, and both her mom and dad received Christ. See, a family that was torn apart was put back together. I said, Pastor. I said, did she preach the gospel to them? He said, no. They saw something in her that they wanted. They saw something in her that something was Jesus. The light of Jesus was going out of her. 
And she just simply said, Jesus loves me, and he loves you too, mom and dad. And that family's together as one for Christ now. See, that's why we do what we do, folks. We don't do it, man. You know, I could, like I was telling Todd the other day, you know, I could sit at home. You know, I play with my kids and stuff like that. That's great. I could go to the gym. I could do whatever. But this is why we do it for that one more. In the schools and why we do it in the night program for that one more. Because if there was a thousand people out there and only one came down, all heaven be rejoicing. So I'm getting ready to do these feats and then, like I said, decision time will be near. It will be then. We're not deciding on a new president. We're not deciding on new congressmen, new leaders, but what we are deciding on is where you go spend eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? See, you know, there's 17 inches basically separating you from heaven to hell. You might have that head knowledge. You might have a lot of religion. Religion is man's best attempt to reach God. You'll go straight to hell. Or do you have that heart knowledge? Do you really know him? Know of him or really know him? Have you been born again? Born again means old you've been passed away. Everything become brand new. You submitted to the Almighty God to be your Lord and Savior. You have repented of all your sins and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you and come in. Have you done that? Or are you out there playing games with him? Saying, oh, yeah, I'll come to, I'll come to the Lord when I clean my mess up. Well, let me tell you one thing. Mess can't clean up mess. I tell you, mess cannot. Whatever's going on in your life, you can't clean it up, but he can. It don't matter if you're the worst Profanity guy, a lady in here. It don't matter if you're on drugs. It don't matter if you've been sleeping around. Like I said, you came in those doors one way, all filthy with sin. But you can have the grace of God come upon you today and change your life and leave out there a new creation with your head up high and say, I'm somebody, I'm a child of God, and I'm going to tell somebody about it. Where you stand. I want you to be thinking about that. Pastor, can you help me out just a moment? We can grab just a phone book in the bat. I need you to help with the bat. This phone book. Come up here, buddy. Can you come up? What's your name? Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, that's an awesome name. I want you to look at this phone book. Because so many people, we do this in the schools. We let the kids come up and check our stuff out to make sure it's not fake, nothing wrong with it, not torn to look through it. Girlfriend's name right there, buddy? A lot, you know. <laughs> A lot of these people, how's it look? Does it look good? All right. Let's give Dylan a big hand clap. We go into the schools now, and we say, do you even know what these are? <laughs> a lot of people pull out the cell phone, got the contact list. That's what you use nowadays. People are like, what has he, he got? A diction, a dictionary? You can't even get that either. This is actually a... Um, Greater Research Triangle, Durham, Frontier. This is a, actually a phone book. This is what us old people like me <laughs> used to use to, you know, and the phones that go like this, <laughs> not like that. We used to use to look up stuff like, uh, you know, car repair. My section was always in the food section. <laughs> Still is. But what I'm getting ready to do with this is rip it into like one sheet of paper. Dylan, this thing's good to go, buddy? Looks good? All right. Next thing we got is a baseball bat. It's actually a Louisville Slugger baseball bat. You do not see Louisville Slugger on it. And the reason being is uh, we get them before they stamp them and before they laminate them. Uh, laminate them, we really don't want them like that because it makes them really slick. 
And uh, doing baseball bats, you don't want that. That's look, they're bad enough as it is when we get stabbed by them. But um, you see a lot of Major League Baseball players slam them across their legs. Some of them break, some of them don't. We do it different ways. We press them across our leg. They say it takes about, Louisville, sorry, this is not us, say it takes about 400 pounds of pressure to snap a baseball bat. We do them over or under leg, but today I'm going to do it the most dangerous way, and I'm going to place it behind my back and snap it. Well, it can, give, it can be the most awesome thing you've ever seen, or it can be the most scariest thing. <laughs> I was on the crusade, talk, Pastor Todd, about 10 years ago, and we had this guy. He was an Army sniper. And he was very good. We always wanted to make sure we was on his good side because they said at 3,000 yards, he could hit a dime. And like, yeah, Kerry, you're a good guy, bro. <laughs> but Kerry was one of those guys that no, had no fear, kind of like Russ Clear, the guy that used to be uh, on our team that passed away recently. But Kerry would do anything and everything, every feat. Well, one night we was on stage and Man, everybody was doing their feet. We were having a great time. Kerry Knight would do the baseball bat. He did it behind the back. And we was cheering for him, and we were, pow! And we was all into it. The crowd was into it. And as we stood up, we looked at Kerry, and the bat was still behind his back. The bat had not broke. All of a sudden, Kerry just dropped to the floor. Like, what in the world? The bat didn't break, but one of his ribs did. That was the pow we heard was a snap rib. They rushed him off, and... Uh, needless to say, uh, one of us had to do it. <laughs> Wasn't me that night either. <laughs> I said, I bet possessed. I ain't touching that one. I, let some... I said, I'm new in this game. I'm like, let somebody else do this one. It did finally break, but uh, it was, it was kind of scary. But you never know what we do in these feats. They are real. We've seen some, some That's Incredibles, and uh, we've seen some great things. But I want to, uh, Pastor Todd, you've seen this so many times. Check that thing out. Make sure it's not. Uh, corked or sanded or all that good stuff. If you feel like you need to do a beat down and, you know, beat the devil with the stick there, you know, we can do that too. That's the real deal. All right. What I'm getting ready to do, and, you know, y'all have been so great. I really appreciate it. You know, I love this type of church right here. I mean, you got to get loud. You got to get loud. And I know you can. That, oh, we got, okay. That's fun. We can do it. Uh, yeah, you do. And they thump too, bro. All right, as I get, uh, do this and do this, get loud as you want. But right after this, let me tell you, decision time will be here. It will be time to decide what are you going to do with this man called Jesus? Because he's here today. And he's like this. And I don't mean he's on the cross. He came off the cross a long time ago. But he's got his arms open wide waiting for you to surrender. So I'm going to tell you right up front, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to get it right. If you've got a lot of pain, if you've turned your back on God, today's to come down and get it right. If you just need prayer, somebody to pray for you, you got some mess going on in your life, you got some junk going on, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever, bring it to the altar. Because like I said, mess can't clean up mess. You can't clean it up. I can't clean it up. Pastor Todd can't clean it up. Only Jesus Christ can clean it up. So you ready to see me do this junk? Yeah. All right. Well, let's have some fun.
Arkansas. Thank you guys so much. The reason why I do them behind the back, I always say it's, say it's the safest for me because I've had to get pieces <laughs> taken out of my arm. Big Allen Ellis, uh, Greensboro police officer on the team the other night, he did one across the leg and he had to, he got stuck. And uh, yeah, it'll look, yeah. But uh, folks, this is where the rubber hits the road. You know what? Like I said, Jesus Christ loves you so much. See, Jesus took that pain and punishment on the cross. He did everything that he could ever do for you. He had the spirit plucked in his, plucked in his side. Blood and water flowed. He had a crown. They didn't put the crown on his head. They rammed it into his skull. Blood flowed just through his face and hair. Mm. They beat him. The Roman soldiers beat him. They whipped him so much from the back of his neck to his ankles. It's like a meat grinder when they ripped him. You cannot, uh, you cannot recognize him. They put a sackcloth on him. They beat him. They plucked his beard out where his jawbone was exposed. He did that all for you. All for mankind. He took the pain and punishment so you wouldn't have to. You don't have to work your way there. All you got to do is surrender. It's a free gift. He purchased it with his blood. He took that pain and punishment on the cross. He put the nails in his hands and feet. He could have called down ten times an angels to get him off that cross. He said, word. And finally, at the very end, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Where do you stand with him today? It's time to get real, people. We just can't talk about Jesus. We've got to do something about it. Let me read you one scripture. John chapter 12, verse 44. Then Jesus cried out. When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who, who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word will, which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I just said, whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. What is he saying to you right now? Is he speaking to you right now? Is he? Do you need a touch from the master today? I think somebody does. See, you know, we put a lot of value on things, people, in this lifetime. We want to value, say, value Jesus, who is priceless. We want to put value in people and things. And I always tell people this. 
There's a little joke in the inside of it, but it's all seriousness. You know, you can put that baseball bat that I just broke, you can put it in the hands Alex Rodriguez and many other major league baseball players are worth millions of dollars. You can put a golf club in my hand. The only thing I know how to do is bend it like the steel bars we bend. You put that same thing in the hands of a Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, millions. You take a computer, you put it in my hand, like I told Pastor Todd earlier, I know how to turn it on, turn it off, check email, Facebook, that's about it. I'm computer retarded. You put that same computer in the hands of a Bill Gates, <laughs> worth over $60 billion. You take three nails, put them in the hands and feet of me, and watch that blood flow. <laughs> Worthless. But you take those same three nails, put them in the hands and feet of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blood flow is priceless. Where do you stand with him? Because I can tell you, many people are going to come before a judge one day. It's not going to be Judge Judy. It's not going to be Judge Joe Brown. It's definitely not going to be Dr. Phil. It's going to be Judge Jesus. And you're going to give an account for everything you've ever said or done in your lifetime. And I know Pastor Todd knows there are a lot of things you don't want people to know about you. Right now. Or things you've done in the past. Jesus knows it all. But you know what? You might come up to Jesus and he might say, why shall I let, let you in? Because see, there's going to be this big book there. And it's going to be opened up. I call it Heaven's Reservation Book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to hell. If it is, fine. Do you know that you're in there? I can tell you this. I know I'm in there. 3710 Carpenter Road. Carpenter Pond Road, Durham, North Carolina. Mark Kurt, you're in the book. I don't have to look. If you got to look or you got to sit back and think about it, or if you're 99% sure you're in the book, you're 100% wrong. You're not in there. Gotta know that you know. You might come up to Jesus and he said, Why should I let you in? You might pull out the religious resume. Oh, I've you know paid my tithes and offerings. I go to church every Sunday. I know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know what? The devil knows it too. You know where his last days is. That's why he's all, all out of salt for the everybody now. Or you might say, Jesus, you know. I did ministry with, a, with Faith Force. I did ministry out of this church. I've been on a crusade before and seen a pastor get saved. Pastor come down, we thought he was praying with everybody. He would come down there before the altar and said, no, I've been leading my congregation. I'm not saved. But I've been preaching the word of God from the pulpit, telling other people how to get saved. He resigned after that day. God is like, he received Christ that day too. So it don't matter if you're five or 105. See a 95-year-old man come down, walk down, and gave his life to Christ, and two years later he passed away. He said, I knew the Bible like the back of my hand too, but I knew where I was going. Because I knew heaven, but I knew I wasn't saved, and I heard that other word called hell. You might stand before him and say all those things. You might stand before him, you know, giving, hey, look at all the people. That I've saved. 
You didn't save anybody, brother. You might have done some work. You might have shared the gospel, but you didn't save anybody. Only Jesus does that. He said, only I do that. If you come up to him and say all those things, you will hear seven words you only want to hear. Depart from me. I never knew you. And that's the end, folks, for that part. And it's everlasting pain and punishment and torment forever. And eternity, like I said, is too long to be wrong. It goes on and on and on. It never ends. But you might come up to Jesus one day, stand before him, and say, why should I let you in heaven? You might say, Jesus, I accepted you as my Savior when I was 12. I accepted you my, as my Savior when I was 30, when I was 60, when I was 93. Jesus, I accepted you today. It's up to you. Todd can't, Pastor Todd can't go out there and pull you down here. If he did, it wouldn't do any good. I can come out there and pull you down here. I ain't going to get you in heaven. I can't do anything for you. Only thing we can do is share the gospel to you. You got to make that choice of where you're going to spend eternity. You got to make that choice of what you can do with Jesus. Like I said, you can be a Christian in here today. Praise God for you. Please go out and stand up for him and tell somebody about him. You might not know Jesus Christ today. You might have thought you did, but you don't. And what you're going to make a decision to reject him or receive him. You might say, hey, I don't want you, Jesus, and walk out those doors. But let me tell you one thing. Every breath you take is a gift from him. You're not guaranteed to make it home today. You're not guaranteed to walk out those doors today. God might take you home. But what home are you going to? Where are you going to be sent to? The choice is yours. We have every head bow and every eye closed. In reverence to the Almighty God. I'm not going to make this long because it doesn't need to be. Where you stand, I'm going to make it plain and simple. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you would never have repented of your sins and asked him to come in to be your Lord and Savior, on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Be bold. Stand up for the one that stood for you. I see a hand. I see a couple of hands. Praise God. You can put your hands down. If you need prayer, if you want to turn your life back around toward him today, I just want you to look at me. I see the, I see the faces. I see the faces. Well, ones out there that want Christ as their Savior, I want you to pray after me and re remember that the prayer doesn't save you. What saves you is you asking Jesus Christ to come in, your Lord and Savior. But I want everybody to pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I asked you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. I ask for your forgiveness. And today I surrender to you. Dear Jesus, I love you. Dear Jesus, one day I will be with you in glory. And everybody said amen.
But the people to the left, to the right, the people in here do not hold the keys of your life. Only Christ does. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you did before you walked in those doors. You're a new creation today. You're new. You're new today. Old has passed away. Everything becomes brand new right now. It's already done. It's sealed. 